the light out. It's, I think it might have been better than 2015. Hello, welcome to the Round 22 Big League Podcast. Jimmy Smith in for the absent Andrew Voss, who was in for the absent me last week. Tell you what, they're back again, the girls. Maria Cialis, editor of Big League Magazine, and Pam Whaley, senior writer. How are you, girls? Great. Thanks. Well, thank welcome you. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to say we missed you. <laughs> But, but I won't. But <laughs> if, no, exactly. But if you did say that, <laughs> I know you wouldn't be sincere. So don't worry. Let's move past that. Yeah, okay. Hey, retro round this week. Um, so let's think about it. Best moment of the 80s. We go 80s because we're seen it focusing on 80s. Uh, for me, it was being born. That's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> Pam, you oh, took mine. God, <laughs> come on. The Knights came in in 88, so that was pretty good. Right. Yeah, 1988, uh, the year Maria was born um, and the year the Bulldogs won the premiership again. Sorry. Hang on. Were you speaking in the third person then? Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's my new thing. Jimmy wasn't born Don't. in the 80s. <laughs> 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 Jimmy's new in town. Well, a Seinfeld reference there. Uh, for me, the 80s, uh, I, the 89 grand final is perhaps the greatest game of rugby league ever played. Yeah. Because of what was at stake and, and what transpired. And, and I was a Balmain supporter at that time as well. It was just like... It was great and it wasn't all in the one day. Yeah, so so what happened? What did you feel afterwards? Uh, just empty. Yeah. Just empty. Like la- the year before, the Bulldogs won in 88 and the Tigers got there and I thought, no, they uh, they didn't really deserve to win. They weren't going to win. They you know, made that run. But 89 was the year they were going to win. We now know that that Canberra side was a great side full of great players that were emerging and, and some were established like your Mel Meningas and so forth. But what a game. So many moments in that game. Uh, charging, charging. They won't stop him up the middle. Sirenen, <laughs> what a try. What a rugby league try in a grand final. I wonder how they must have felt sitting on the bench for that that oh. that period. You know what I mean? Just watching that unfold, knowing they couldn't go on the field, obviously. Couldn't do a thing. Yeah, just couldn't do a thing. That just would be so heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for Tigers fans as well. Won't be heartbreaking now. Big show coming up, of course. We've got uh, CK1. He's a regular. I can't believe he got asked back, to be honest. But anyway. <laughs> He's the star. Oh, we're all just right. yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the CK <laughs> it's the one CK show, show, and we just built some fluff around him as well. Dave Middleton, we'll have a chat to him about the eighties retro as well. We'll go through what's happening in the world of rugby league. All that coming up. It's the Big League Podcast Round Twenty Two. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're enjoying your wherever you're going, your ride, your drive, wherever, whichever way you're lying in the park. How do you think most people listen to this podcast? Just as a snap poll, girls on their way to work, I would, I would think, or at, at, home at, on the way home at work when they're ignoring their coworkers, like Pam does to me. <laughs> but I is mean, she specifically listening to the Big League podcast that she did? Just I, any I podcast so. <laughs> that's available, just anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Pam, Pam, Pam. Headphones in. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She never gets to the point. It's just, (laughs) it's embarrassing. All right, some of the big headlines around the game this week. Uh, There are many of them. Uh, A big one today, Amanu Brown, who was heavily concussed last week in that game against the Warriors. Eight days later, they think he might be playing for the Sharks this week against the Raiders. Uh, Thoughts on this? Apparently, he's covered off all the internal protocols that the Sharks have in place. Yeah, well, I mean, if he's covered them all off, I would like to think that they're not going to put one of their players at any kind of in, in any kind of risk, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that was just a horrible. That was horrible, wasn't it? Watching Take him to hospital. Yeah, so I mean, you'd like to think that they're not going to do anything to jeopardise his health. On the flip side, as well, I wonder if I mean people have probably been concussed during rugby league games and managed to get away with it because maybe they didn't wobble or it didn't look so bad or whatever, and they play again the next week. So we saw it. It was horrible. 
if they said that he's passed it. Right. I, I, and, and I don't have any doubt that he has passed it. And I think the eight days is important in that, that extra day, uh, mm-hmm. rather than a six-day turnaround or a seven-day turnaround. So that's going to be important as well. S- um, but as a perception, mm. for when, when there's, th- you know, whoever's banging on about it, and the Daily Telegraph was banging on about it again the other day, whoever's banging on about it, about the concussion in sport, <coughs> it's just another opportunity for those people who are negative to it to find another reason to, to, to be critical, to, to find a voice. So that's my only concern around that. The other thing about it is this. If James Maloney was available and, and you know, if, if they weren't short of playmakers, that's the other thing where you, you go, oh, but you have to rely on mm-hmm. the processes and the protocols that they have going there at, uh, uh, at the Sharks. Now, the other thing that came out this week was the big interview on NRL 360 with Laurie Daly. He squirmed for about, uh, what was it, 17 minutes, 18 yeah. minutes? Uh, what did yeah. you think of it, Pam? I thought... It was the first time I, f- I felt like he was really honest. I he fe- always is. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess leading into Origin and things like that, he obviously likes to keep his cards pretty close to his chest. Sure. I think he does his best to be as honest as he can without um, giving anything away or creating too big of a headline or things like that. But um, I thought he was brutally honest. I thought it, he looked like a man who was just utterly devastated and didn't really know what went wrong and yes. I think he struggled to answer some questions because he just didn't really know the answer to them you mm. know what I mean um, and I guess it would be pretty heartbreaking to put so much faith in these players and then kind of admit you know what they they, they let me down let and down. if if they'd asked if they could go and have a couple of beers I would have said no so I mean for a, for a coach I feel like that would have been pretty hard for him to do and it's it's hard as well because Laurie Daly is one of the nicest people you'll ever in meet in your entire life. The nicest person <laughs> He's on the yeah. just, yep. yeah. Um, and it's hard to know what to do now. He must feel a little bit uh, lost or, or helpless or, you know, maybe he's thinking he's not, maybe he's not the man for the job to do this. But, um, yeah, I felt bad for him. It was uncomfortable but great viewing and good Compelling on him for, TV. yeah, good on him for just saying everything that he felt. I think that's great. I think that's great for the game and the fans as well. There were so many things to come out of it. The, the point of it about him not knowing until the Thursday about Dugan mm-hmm. and Ferguson drinking, I think that's a problem in itself. Like, surely you know, they come back to camp and they're in a state and either, either your staff or someone tips you off. You, you've got to find out about that stuff. And if they did, what was his response to that? What would it have been? Mm-hmm. It, like, he had to kick him out of the camp straight away. Get out. You don't respect... The jersey, you don't respect yourself, you don't respect your teammates and you don't respect your state, get out. Would you have been prepared to do that? That we'll never know. Um, the other interesting thing is that throughout the course of that interview, Ben Eichen and Paul Kent controlled it. So it made me think of when Richard Hadley, the New Zealand cricketer, the great, the great, great bowler, he used to say to himself at different situations, what would Dennis Lilly do in this situation to try and help him think the right mindset? So from my point of view, Laurie Daly had to sit there and say, what would Phil Gould say in this situation? So Phil Gould would have taken control of that interview. So when asked questions, don't answer them. Give the answers that you want. Bat them back like the classical politician and get on the front foot, whereas Laurie let them dominate the interview. And that might even be half the problem because I want to see Laurie Daly, the coach, that play, that, that, that coaches like he played. Because when you needed a big play from someone in a state of origin level or in any game that Laurie Daly was playing in, invariably it was Laurie Daly who did it. I want to see the same from him as a coach. So I want to see him sack Dugan and Ferguson if they're out drinking and they shouldn't have been. I want to see him, if he speaks to Andrew Fafita and thinks, oh, oh, this guy needs to start. No, mate, you do what I say. And if you don't like that, you leave the camp as well. 
That's the way I wanted to see. Isn't that interesting? It's like having a different management style um, in any job. Yeah, I often wonder about the nice coaches, the ones who are kind and, and give you good quotes and are nice to the media, whether that is how they are with their players and then I it doesn't think, I don't know. translate I think that, or... I think that he de- demands a little bit more respect than that or at least I think he deserves it. I think definitely. he's definitely – well, he's paid by Fox Sports as well and I think he's so a he's very emotional yeah. – yeah, I think he's a very kind of – he wears his heart on his sleeve a lot as well. Um, so I think he would have just wanted to come in and just be as honest as possible be, and answer some of those questions because I, th- I feel like Ben Iken and Paul Kent, they asked the questions that we all want to know. Sure. They didn't shy away from it and he would have known going into that interview yes. that that's exactly what yeah. the, what they wanted from him. And full credit to him, he, he just... He answered them. I know for a fact. I've sat in a meeting with Laurie Daly for two hours and talked about State of Origin with another a, a couple of guys, and it was fascinating. He is a highly intelligent coach, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you sit there and you learn stuff, right? I, I want to see a transference of that. I I, you know, I, I, uh, whether it's a different management style. So the beauty of Craig Bellamy is this: that he can berate players until they turn to tears, but he loves them like sons. So he gives them the hug as well. So you can you can be both. Mm. You can be the the nice guy that everyone loves as a father figure and still command the respect that you need. Um, It's going to be fascinating what New South Wales do. I think that he he will be reappointed. I think that he'll be reappointed. It seems that way. Um, And and, and the way he comes out of that is going to be interesting. The question after that is, who does he have as halfback next year? Is it going to be Nathan Cleary? And will Nathan Cleary be playing out there at the Penrith Panthers for just the very, very low price? Roll up, roll up. $600,000 $600,000 a year. If they get him, that's a deal. It's a steal. It's a sale of the century. Well, I've sort of been sniffing around. Um, and apparently, I mean, I think there'll be clauses in his contract saying if you win a premiership, you get this bump. If you play State of Origin, you get this bump, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I hate long-term deals, personally, um, as a fan. I know that's a ridiculous Why? thing. I, I just think 2024 is a long way away. And... Um, you heard the saying, like, never stay in a job for three, for more than three or four years. How long have you been editor? <laughs> Two. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying, obviously, you want loyalty from your players. and, and But I wonder sometimes if that makes them go a bit stale or maybe they get a bit comfortable. or But I'm sure, I mean, the Panthers aren't stupid. Phil Gould's not stupid. So I'm sure there's lots of stuff in place to make sure that doesn't happen. But he's very cheap for Nathan Cleary. That's cheap. Yep. Pan? Yeah. And while I agree, I think he's uh, – I think um, – Aside from how good he is, he is still a 19-year-old kid. Um, he still has a lot of development to do. Um, obviously, this has been a breakout year for him. He was good last year, but to be able to play so consistently, I think, this year and really be the star of the show, I think, at the mm. Panthers, it's been a great development for him. Um, and he's obviously a very special kid. Bargain basement price, but I think, that, as Maria said, there would be clauses in there so that if you reach certain targets he gets some kind of a reward from him. I think that's the only real way that long-term mm. deals KPIs would work. Or, you know what yeah. I mean? How's it work for Jason Talmalala? He's a 10-year deal and he's playing as well as last year yeah. when he won the um, Dally M. The other thing but is... There's also... That's know, one year into in. a 10-year deal though. As well. Oh, you're like saying he's going to go start? No, no, I'm not saying that, but I don't, think, I don't think you can judge as yeah. someone on a 10-year deal in their first year. I think give them to around, <laughs> you know, year six year or something six, like right. that and see but how But then you can going. sell them. So thanks very much. See you later. <laughs> uh, the other thing about this, if I was Ivan Cleary, I would offer Nathan Cleary a six-year, $700,000 a year contract. Would you, would you want to play under your dad? I don't know. Well, My that's, dad that's bargaining is power for drive me insane. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Just, no. 
Tidy no, up no. your room. Hang on, I'm your halfback. <laughs> like, how does that work? Oh, get to the point. Stop telling me your long stories, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's that's the other one. Well, whoever it is, whoever, whoever it is, is. I, I would offer them that deal because he is worth it. And even if it means Penrith have to pay a little bit more, chew up a little bit more of their cap, I think that'd be worthwhile. Love you, Dad. Round 22, Big League Podcast, going a little bit retro. And tell you what's gone retro. It's the cover of Big League Magazine this week. Now, Maria, outstanding picture of Adam Reynolds and Gareth Widdop, uh, of course, playing at the SCG. Where has where has the inspiration from this come from? So it's come from uh, the 1988, uh, oh, let me find it, 31st of all is 6th of September issue, which was Cronulla v Balmain. Um and back then, uh, Big League had a lot of just grainy, terrible pictures of <laughs> people running because it's all they could do, yeah. um, except for my favourite ever cover of Big League, which I might see if I can get up on Facebook or Twitter. Please. It's of a foot. It's of Daryl Halligan's foot. DJ. And the headline is maybe my left foot or something like that. So right <laughs> oh, right, was, my right foot. It was just... Because the movie would have been out at the time, my left foot. Because, so yeah. I mean, oh God. You, you don't want to say that. I thought about doing that. But right. I'm not that brave. Okay. <laughs> so we just went with this. So you went with that. Okay. Yep. David Hatch and Wayne Pierce were the two people who were on the cover. But Pam, what is on the inside? This has caught my eye. A comparison between Stephen Blocker Roach and Aaron Woods, who, by the way, needs a nickname to go in the mo- between Aaron and Woods. Yeah. Well, Aaron Woodsy Woods. Woodsy. I think that's Aaron what Woodsy we're going Woodsy. with. Okay, right, Woodsy. We'll Aaron um, Woods. This is actually really so interesting to do. So I spoke to both of them just about just to take us through um, a, a scenario of what would happen in a week. Um, so say they played on a Sunday and then they were preparing for a game the following Sunday, what right. their recovery, uh, training, things like that would be from day to day. Um, very, very different, uh, obviously. So... Uh, players these days, they have um, sleep testing. They have to do their wellness things every day. They have prehab. So, sorry, which hang on. So they're sleep testing. Sleep testing. Right. How do they work? Am I asleep? Am I asleep? No, I'm still awake. <laughs> <laughs> or I think that they need to, um, they wear a, like a Fitbit or something right. like that. Yeah. So to find out how well rested they are. Um, they have all of this GPS data. So if you've ever seen, have you ever seen uh, how they do this GPS? Oh, uh, it's I like, haven't seen it specifically. It's it's crazy. So um, you can see what kind of an impact each tackle has. So at training, so whether it's similar to a car crash, what, right. like you can measure the impacts, wow. how mu- how much they've run, and it all adds up. They put it into a formula, and it adds up to a certain number that okay. each player has to hit per week. So they know that if, say, James Tedesco has done overs, he can rest for the following two days because right. they don't want to overtrain them. Um, and then if someone hasn't had a good week at training, they know that they need to do extras to reach this certain number. So that's with how many kilometres they run, how much strength training they've done, defensive work, their, yeah, with their sleep, with their prehab. So they yes. do things before they go into training. So Woodsy, for example, has bad hamstrings, so he stretches and does a lot of hamstring training and things like that. Um, And that's before they get to the training paddock. Whereas Steve Roach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what about the uh, (laughs) No, he just, uh, so say they played on a Sunday, Monday, he'd just go to work as normal. Yep. He might go for a swim um, at the beach on Monday afternoon and that's about it. They go training Tuesday nights after work. Yes. Uh, Wednesdays they have, uh, they have yet work all day and then they do, they did a circuit um, uh, someone's garage. Yeah, in someone's other. garage. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Les Hobbs' place. Invite, don't invite Wayne Pierce because yeah. he's too hard. Yeah, so they just did that. Had a barbecue after after circuit training, and then Thursday, uh, work training. Uh, Friday, 
work, no training. Right. <laughs> Saturday, short captain's run, and then they would play on Sunday, and that was about it. And he said um, with rehab and stuff like that, it was just – uh, just wax some ice on it and hope for the best, basically, yeah. and strap it up and keep going. It, well, what amazing. did he say to you that um, you told me that some people would pretend to row on the rowing machine during training? Oh, I so said that, that they, would, they would just muck around on the rowing machine. <laughs> they had no idea. He said, oh, some people might get to training early and do, uh, chuck a few weights around and muck around yeah. on the rower. No one really knew yeah. what they were doing. So even when I started, so that's early 90s, train Tuesday night, train Thursday night, train Saturday morning where you got donuts. Ooh. Which oh, is awesome. Yeah, play Sunday. Seems counterproductive. Yeah. <laughs> Very counterproductive. But that, that's what it was. That's 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 all you did. Some people did other trainings, but um, yeah, just incredible. So what did you find in the comparison? There's some similarities there? There's some well between these two obviously there's the obvious similarities. So both played for the Tigers, obviously Steve Balmain and Aaron for the West Tigers. They uh, made their debut around the same time as well. Right. So Steve has played 185 first grade games, 17 games for New South Wales, 19 for Australia. Aaron Woods is up to 141 games, NRL games, 14 for New South Wales, nine for Australia. So once he finishes his career, that would be a little bit more comparable. But they're also both left-handed as well. Both left-handed. Like both left-handed. Yeah. So it's a pretty pretty close comparison there as well. Both roughly the same height, both roughly the same playing weight as well. Right. So. It's amazing how you can look at that and say they're so similar and yet they're so different, mm-hmm. right? So, to and, and as being as nice as I can to Aaron Woods, um, I would love to have not played against Steve Roach and have played against Aaron Woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yet all the numbers are the same, right? It's funny, isn't it? And, and Steve was saying he would have loved to have seen what he's capable of Nowadays, with all of the, with all of the things that they yeah. do, with just such professional training, with all of the rehab, as I was saying, all of the recovery, all of the, um, you know, blood testing, they can find yeah. out if they're yeah. lacking in this vitamin or this or this. Just you know, a, a million different things that they go through to get on the on the paddock every week, and just it would be, um, yeah, he would have found it pretty amazing to see what he would be capable of yeah, if he, he had all of that. He would have been sensational. Yeah, today. well, because he retired as well. Tough, big yeah. motor trained hard and he retired as well um with a knee injury so uh, you know um earlier than he probably would have liked so he yeah who knows he could have been playing on for much longer if there was better recovery and better rehab and prehab and things like that new member of the 300 club that's exciting for gavin badger as a 300th referee i think this is fantastic and absolutely should be celebrated more maria Definitely. They, um, oh, they, God, they cop so much. It's a really, really difficult job. Pam read a great column today on NRL.com about refereeing, which you should all read. Um, Is that in between listening to the other? Yeah, yeah I just knocked it up quickly right now. Um, and Gavin Badger's a real personality, yes. the way he speaks to the players, the way he gets along with them. And um, he had some great stories. Uh, I won't give it all away, but his debut was the game that he got absolutely annihilated by Carl Webb. Oh, was that, his yeah, that was his debut game. That was his debut game. I'm surprised he didn't just go, all right, I'm done. You've got to smile. You're so theatrical. <laughs> so 300 games later, this uh, this Sunday, the Penrith West Tigers game will be 300. He's funny. He's, uh, he's about mid-40s, isn't he, Badge? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 44. Yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he says anaerobically the referees are just as fit, if not fitter than the players because they have to run so much. So yeah. I see him and I said, because I've got some inside word, I said, Badge, who's the fittest referee? And he goes, oh. I am. <laughs> and it's true. He's 44 and he's still, yeah. like, he, there's bigger Imagine. guys than him, obviously, but he is still the bloke who can run more than anyone yeah. else. Eight to 10 kilometres a game. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done. That's a great effort, Gavin Badger. Uh, so wouldn't it be good? He plays his, or get them play. He referees his 300. And when does Casey do her first 
That'd be interesting. Ooh, yeah. She's great in the um in the Holden Cup as well. She um she's fantastic. Yeah, so there you go. Um well done, Gavin Badger. Welcome back to the Big League Podcast. It's round twenty two. Jimmy Smith in with Pam Whaley and Maria Cialis. Time now to speak to Dave Middleton. Well, see, we call Chris Kennedy, who's coming up, the NRL fantasy guru, but this is the original guru. The literal the literal yeah. no. rugby league from, guru. From the guru from all, which all other gurus are derived. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, no, no. There's only one guru, and he was a he's a retro guru. Don't you remember him, Jimmy? Uh, the uh, winger. Did he play on the wing for that Parramatta? Is, <laughs> that is that is the guru. <laughs> well, you're doing a fair job of guru. being your own guru, uh, Dave. Appreciate your time. It is retro round, and um, before we go back and have a talk about the the, the great era that was the '80s, I want to ask about an incredible situation that we have this Sunday, and that is Penrith up against the West Tigers. So we've got Nathan. Cleary, son of uh, and halfback for the Penrith Panthers, son of coach of the West Tigers, Ivan Cleary. In the same game, we've got Dallin Wateni Zalesniak up against older brother Malachi Wateni Zalesniak. Has that ever happened previously in the National Rugby League? Well, I reckon that's the first to have those two um, instances pitted uh, in the one game. So you've got uh, a coach coaching against his son. To my way of thinking, that's only happened once before. That was um, Bob McCarthy when he was in charge of the Gold Coast side uh-huh. in 1989-90. He coached against Darren, who was playing in 89 for Canterbury and then in 1990 for South. Uh, and so they were opposed three times over those two seasons. Uh, and the thing that made that even more interesting was the fact that um, one of Bob's other sons, Troy, younger brother of Darren, was playing for the Gold Coast. So you had wow. brother versus brother and son... Uh, father coaching against one son, coaching his son at the same time, and another son at the same time. So yes, that was that was interesting. I don't think we've ever had a situation of of, of brothers pitted against each other in, in the same game uh, as this coaching situation has arisen. Uh, and the other interesting thing about the Watteni Zalesnias is that they were teammates earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, for one game, Penrith versus South, and now they're opposed in in the same. In the same 12 months, which uh, which I think is a, a rarity, uh, maybe a unique one. Mido, obviously we're talking about retro round and um, particularly the 80s. And I wanted to know if there were um, a few moments that you think really defined the 80s or all that kind of era. Was there? Do you have fi- favourite moments of that era? Oh, yeah. Mine, I know a lot of people have spoken about the, the premiership footy and, and all of the different um, things that made the, the 80s. Uh, special and, and different to the to the, the the current age, but my mind goes back to some of the um, the, the moments at, at test level um, during the 80s and the oh, Kangaroo yeah. Tour of 1982, and, and I can remember vividly listening to all of the test matches that they played over in England, um, and obviously coming to Australia very late at night, um, listening to them as I lay in bed, and, and even I can remember listening to Greg Hartley and Peter Peters and the the, the final test against France in 1982, oh, wow. um, which you know that was the that was the clincher. Um, I know I know Zorba had a bit of trouble pronouncing the French name, but fortunately <laughs> Australia won. Australia won by such a margin that, that he didn't have to, to mention them too often. Um, you know, when you think of the 80s, who is the sort of quintessential player of the 80s? Someone who really defines that era and what it was all about? Do you think? Um, I reckon probably a Wayne Pearce. Mm-hmm. Because he was really at the forefront of of fitness um, and pushing his body further than than most other players of that time, um, you know he he really was the trendsetter in terms of health and fitness and 
Um, he, he set the benchmark really high there, and I think a lot of players then followed him. Um, you know, he was very unlucky with injury late in his career, and he missed a, a second opportunity to tour with the Kangaroos through a, through a knee injury. And I think he, he might have even been uh, a bit hardly done by there because he he did a fitness test at Redfern Oval and he, yes. and he put his foot in a in a pothole. Yes. Um, and, yes. and that was really. Um, determined that his knee wasn't up to scratch. They yeah. thought it was his knee buckling, but it was actually just putting his foot in a in a, in a pothole at Redfern Oval, um, and that that cost probably cost him a, can, a second kangaroo tour. Uh, to think that Wayne Pearce, who probably was the 1990s version of a rugby league player, and Kerry Hemsley, who was like a 1970s version of a rugby league player, could find a a, a home in the 1980s. I think that's uh, that's something that struck me. Hey, Mido, the other thing about it is too. When you look back at that time, it was a time of expansion in rugby league. Like, 82, the Steelers and the Raiders come into the competition. And then 88, you've got three new teams in the Knights, uh, the Broncos and the Gold Coast. So it was a most unusual time. The game grew very uh, a lot very quickly. It did. And it was a Sydney competition at the start of the 1980s. Yes. It went beyond the Sydney boundaries in 82, as you say, for the first time to Illawarra and to Canberra. And then... By 1988, we were playing interstate. There'd never been a, a, a premiership game played interstate before the 1980s. Um, the Broncos-Manly game in 88 was the first one. The Gold Coast and Canterbury played their first game uh, at Seagull Stadium, but right. that was still on the New South Wales side of the border. Right. Um, they, they even played a premiership game in Perth in 1989. Um, so we were we were spreading our wings in the 1980s, that's for sure. And, and I guess it, it really needed to because it was... Uh, as a Sydney competition, it was starting to stagnate a little bit. You know, he had Newtown go to the wall in, in 1983. Yep. Um, so they really needed to expand their horizons and, and grow the game. Uh, it was just so important at that time. I guess the spread of television and interest in the game was, was growing through State of Origin. So it was, yeah, it was an important time for the game, there's no doubt. Mino, as the game kind of got professional, have you found it easier to put together your stats? I could only imagine how hard it would have been back in the day to try and collect all of this stuff. How, how have you kind of managed to do it over the years? Yeah, that's, that's a definitely a, a valid point. Um, in the 1980s, the, the clubs weren't that professional and, and there were, <laughs> the clubs themselves didn't really have a handle on how to count a first-grade appearance. Yeah. Um, if you're a replacement, you'd played reserve grade earlier in the day. Well, some clubs just said, well, no, he's played reserve grade. No, we're not going to count that as a first-grade game. He was only on the field for 15 minutes. That, that doesn't count. But another club, yet they'd count it, and, and another club had counted a different way again. So um, it was very confusing to sort through um, and try to get uniformity across all the clubs. And But fortunately, these days, yes, as you say, things are a fair bit more professional. And, um, you know, when a player is sitting on a reserves bench um, for the 80 minutes, doesn't actually get on the field. We don't count that as a first-grade game. Uh, and I think everybody has, has pretty well fallen into line, which is a good thing. Well, we count you as a very important part of this podcast, Mido. Appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to enjoying this round 22 of the National Rugby League. Good on you guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. There he is, Dave Middleton. Uh, talks, like, seriously, you look at all those websites and talk about game, how many games they play in the 70s? Question mark. Yeah, no idea. No, I'm not really sure. (laughs) Roughly about 50, Uh, not sure, give or take. tries they scored, but can't tell you the games.
Rugby League podcast, round 22, retro round in the National Rugby League. Make sure you get to any news agents anywhere you can. Pick up your copy of Big League magazine. Time now, girls, to have a look at the games. And, of course, the, the first game of the round is the Bulldogs up against the Parramatta Eels. And what a different tale for two teams it is in this competition. Yeah, and apparently uh, Chase Stanley's moving into 5'8 this week for the Dogs. Um, I, he played a little bit there for the Dragons in 2013, I think, um, and it didn't go that well. But look, yeah, it, Des is having a go, trying something different. I think it would be annoying if they he tried something different and they won. Because, <laughs> Why? Well, because well, could you not have been doing that? Ah, you yes, know, you, you knew a, you knew a while ago that um, it wasn't looking very good. Um, anyway, Para Tebo Maroa is out, mm-hmm. um, but. I mean, they should still smash them. Yeah, I'm going um, to be in the eels here. Yeah, so um, Bulldogs, so that will bring Branko Lee into the centres. Yes, um, that's good. So that's that good. He, yeah. He's been great this year um, when he's been able to get on the paddock when he's been included in the NRL squad. <laughs> um, and then um, David Gower comes in for the eels as well. And I think Kenny Edwards moves into the second row. This has been described as desperate measures and Des making all these changes. No, we'll hop away to the centres. Brett Morris to fullback. You want to put Chase Stanley at five eight? Fine, do that. Moses M by there. Start Sam Cassiano. Drop uh, James Graham or Aiden Tolman back to the bench. Make some real changes. Like, do something crazy. Do something. Uh, in, in my mind, uh, Mitchell Moses one missed tackle last week. Just see that he's missed mm. thirteen missed tackles in the games he's been at the uh, at the Parramatta Reels, and in the same period of time he was missing five tackles a game at the West Tigers. That is uh, going to be key for the Parramatta Reels. All eyes on Kenny Edwards. Let's see what he gets up to this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Parramatta will win that comfortably. Next game, uh, <laughs> Dragons feed the Rabbitohs. This is why we're having retro rounders at the SCG. Um, Going to be, hopefully a lot of people get out there, even though both teams are kind of in an interesting position. I was reading yesterday, uh, Drew Hutchison looks like he's coming back this weekend um, from that, what we thought was a season-ending injury, yeah. which should excite um, Dragons fans and hopefully put a little pep in there. Step, I don't know. Nice they guys. need to start. They need to get back on a winning run because um, you can't you can't go into the finals playing like they have been. Will they? I've tipped them, but only because the Rabbitohs just haven't been able to put a good eighty minute performance together. Uh, there's a lot riding on this for the Dragons, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot. Um, so they obviously had that big win over Manly, and then they lost to Newcastle. So this week. I mean, what are we going to get? Is it rocks or diamonds? So um, they really need to put together a performance this week if they're pretty keen on on making the finals and staying in that top eight. So I'm going with the Dragons, but only because they are hanging by a thread for the season. South Sydney, a massive chance in that game. Definitely. Definitely. I'm going to tip the South Sydney Rabbitohs in that one. Cowboys up against the Storm. uh, And this one is interesting because Billy Slater is back in the side, Pam. Yeah, so um, this is an interesting game because the Cowboys played quite well against the Roosters last week, but then kind of uh, fell away in the second half there. Uh, Melbourne have obviously been going great guns, to put it pretty modestly. Hmm. So um, I'm, I'm tipping Melbourne here. I think they're going to keep cruising along with that, but I think Cowboys being at home might have a bigger impact for them this week too. Yeah, and Cameron Munster's out for the Storm. He's been playing so well, but Riley Jacks comes in and he had a great few games at the beginning of the season when he was playing. Uh, you can't see them dropping one on the way to the minor premiership, I don't think. They have a great record up there too. Just on that, I've got a feeling Jerome Hughes might play ahead of Riley Jacks in that 5-8 position because yeah. Jerome Hughes was very good in he the absence was. of Billy he Slater was, yes. last week. So keep an eye on that one. Knights up against the Warriors. 
the wor- the Warriors are favourites for this game. The Knights are the outsiders, but I love the look of the Knights in this game. Uh, yeah, you got to think so. Last week, um, the Safidi brothers, how good were they? Yeah. They're, they're sort of like coming of age and yes. um, hopefully that win will boost them. Um, oh, just good for the fans if they got two in a row. Imagine being a Newcastle supporter down there for this game. Um, and the Warriors, I just don't even know what to say anymore. No. I'm a shrug emoji, you know the one? Yeah, that shrug yeah, emoji. That's me. Yeah. Yep. yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what, what to think of this one either. If shrug the Knights, emoji. if the Knights win, <laughs> shrug emoji. But if the Knights win this one, it'll be their first back-to-back win since I think 2015, the start of 2015. Um, so, yeah, I mean it's a big task. I don't think it needs to be um, underestimated at all. And the Warriors, um, yeah, who knows what we're going to get from them? I am tipping the Knights for this one, though. Knights are at home too. A long trip for the Warriors. That'll be too much for them mentally. So um, I'm going for the Knights in that one. Titans Broncos. Bit of s- a bit of sparring here. There's talk about Ash Taylor going back to the Broncos, and Paul, uh, Ryan James says I hate the Broncos. So uh, this is interesting. Uh, I think the Broncos should win though. Yeah, uh, the Titans. They had that that middle period where it kind of looked like they were coming together, and then last week that performance bad. against the West Tigers was really bad. Yep. So it's going to be much it's going to need to be much improved um and the broncos after losing last week they'll be keen to let everyone know that no they haven't fallen off they're gonna win pam who <laughs> plays dummy half uh for the broncos yeah, sorry, yeah. For the broncos, so yeah. ben hunt yeah so i think that that's that's pretty you, you think standard? he'll be there i think so yeah you, you think no you think oh, maybe I think he Cody Nicarima, yeah, Cody Nicarima, yeah, um, and even Sam Thiday was trying. Josh Maguire can oh, play at dummy half. Goodness me! Going yeah, forward, can we call him big league columnist Ben Hunt? Oh, sorry, oh, yes. sorry, yes. very much. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> so don't worry, uh, not 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 yeah. Maroons player, not Broncos no, player, no, big no, league no. columnist. Big league columnist that's the, that's ben the number one yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think big league columnist Ben Hunt's going to play in the halves. Okay, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Cody Nicarima, he's just kind of um, been thrown around here and there, yes. hasn't he? So he's he's just such a wonderful player for them to have at the Broncos. Yes. Just such versatility um, and still quite young as well. So I wonder what he's thinking about all this Ash Taylor talk as well because it, yeah, it's, it's not very good for the confidence, I think, especially knowing Ben Hunt is leaving next year. And then I think um, Wayne Bennett has kind of said, oh, this is Cody's chance, but then... <laughs> oh, well, why wouldn't we want to bring yeah. back Ash yeah. Taylor? So yeah. what? It, what is the truth here? So I'm not quite sure. He's one of those utility players. The versatility sometimes is a negative for them. He can play anywhere except when you play him on the wing and Suliasi Vunavalu is up against him because mm-hmm. it's just that a mismatch. Unfortunate. <laughs> Most unfortunate. Sharks beat Raiders. Okay, now let's presume New Brown plays, but the big ins are Josh Papali is back and Jordan Rapana. I just think, I don't know, I'm tipping this one as the upset this week. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't trust the Raiders, but perhaps they could go on a run. I don't think they're playing anywhere near as they were, uh, as well as they were last year when they went on a run. No. But um, it is possible. And they have a great record at Cronulla. They do. So that'll boost them. And has got a bad record at Cronulla this year. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Really bad home record. The world's upside down. On, mm. I, I think know. this is going to be a cracking game. I think yeah. this is just going to be so exciting. I think we saw them play a couple of times last year and it was just such an intense kind of battle. And I would love to think that the Raiders could kind of reach that standard again this year. I think they do have so much to prove and obviously their season is on the line as well. But I think that the Sharks are going to come away with this one. Yeah, very very tight, very tight, that one. Manly need a win, desperately, up against the Roosters who are travelling nicely, looking to 
to have another shot at that minor premiership, Maria. Yeah, I the Roosters are just playing so well. I tip them every week, basically, whoever they're playing. So that's what I've gone with this week. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that the Manly are going to put in a better performance at Lotto Land, you would like to think. Um, but I think the Roosters are just going to be way too good. I don't know what's happened with Manly recently, whether all of this off-field stuff has kind of gotten to their heads a little bit or they just seem a little bit distracted or they, they're they just not putting together anywhere near the football that they were playing at the start of the year. So, um, yeah, Roosters. Danger game. Massive danger game from a Roosters point of view. Seagulls wounded over two weeks, played poorly. Back at Lotto Land, um, basis of a very good side there. I think this is a real danger game there for the Roosters. And the final game, the Panthers up against the Tigers where all the families, are, uh, the Hatfields and the McCoys are all <laughs> against each other. Um, I think that's going to be a very interesting and fun game to watch. I think there's going to be plenty of attacking brilliance because yes. defence may be not the best for... Well, Panthers are okay, West Tigers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see um, how uh, the West Tigers try and shut down Nathan Cleary if they do or whether. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it. I've tipped the Panthers just because that's the obvious choice, but who knows what could happen. Yeah, I'm tipping the Panthers here too, but I think it will be very interesting to see. I, I think it's very much a battle between whether Ivan Cleary can really dismantle his son or whether he's uh, whether they're going to be smart enough to kind of change his game and, and maybe lessen his role a little bit this week or kind of I'm not quite sure what's going to happen here. Matty Moylan might be back. Yeah. yeah. Named on an extended yep. bench, so keep an eye on that one. What a fascinating conversation over the breakfast table that is on Just Monday awkward, morning, isn't it? It's isn't just, it? it would be so Even awkward. So, yeah, they live together, right? Yeah. 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 So, like. Someone said if he gets paid that money, surely Ivan increases his board that he has to oh. pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you're Ivan, wouldn't you be playing tricks on him? Like just uh, put a lock on the on the pantry or something like that? Nice. Just be like, oh, yeah, just find Check your own. Check out his favourite cereal, exactly. yeah. Can I get a lift to the game, Dad? No. Yeah. <laughs> find <laughs> your own way. Nobody washed your clothes this week. Sucked <laughs> That's in. That's it. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. There are the games. The eight games as the run into the finals continues. It is the Big League Podcast. Round 22. Retro round. Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility. With high-quality sound equipment and production services, Radio Hub is a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. So, if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting, contact Radio Hub on 0402 870 900 or email info at radiohub.com.au. Apparently it was a start last week and last year. And to be honest, I'm a little surprised it's on the run sheet again this year. But it is. It's time now to say good day to our NRL fantasy guru. And that is Chris Kennedy, a.k.a. CK number one. Hey, mate, let's go back before we go forward. Uh, the star of last week from a NRL fantasy point of view. Um, probably not most of the people who are in my team because I had a little bit of an off week. Um, congratulations mm. to Pam on her well fought victory. Um, the star the star of last week was one Cameron Smith, oh. who you may have heard of. He's actually not too bad at rugby league, just mm. generally speaking. Yes. Um, he's 350th game, four tries, assists, 91 points. He's, uh, he's basically not human at this point. Came into the week with a pec strain and just absolutely killed it. So well done to Cam. Was that about his highest score ever? Um, he's been around for a long time pumping out big scores. I assume he's got higher at some point. He's, he's good because he consistently gets 60s, 70s, 80s, not because he busts out the odd 100, 110. But, um, yeah, I can't remember him getting a higher one, to be honest. CK, what do you reckon about the captain now? Do we just put it on Cameron Smith and uh, 
just go from there or Paul Gallen or um, – because last week I put on Gareth Widdop and that did not go well. <laughs> 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 Betting against the mighty Newcastle Knights, why would you do such a thing? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I think if you've got Cam – Set <laughs> and forget if you've got Cam. If you don't have Cam, then you've got a decision to make. I think Angus Crichton's probably the next best at the moment. Otherwise, your Tamalolos, your Gallons, your uh, DeBellins, you know, McInnes, these sort of guys are, are all pretty reliable week to week. What about Angus Crichton? So he seems to still be keeping on, you know, getting these great numbers, but he is injured. What? Is this just is it just going to fall off soon, or is he? A yeah, thing? I assume he'll need his foot amputated at the end of the season. <laughs> at the moment, he's still going pretty strongly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago at the South Media Op, and he insisted that it was his decision to keep playing on it. And he was, you know, managing his training and getting around in a moon boot, and then being he was fine on game day. I would have thought a stress fracture is something that if you put more pressure on it, it's going to slow it healing and potentially just snap it in half. But um, he's now sort of graduated from the moon boot, and it seems to be getting better so i assume if he's uh, if he was right a month ago he's he's fine now i know it's not so nrl fantasy related but as craig bellamy said the other day you break a toenail these days put you in a moon boot but it's interesting though part of the development of a player is learning to play with pain and learning to play with mm. injury so uh, michael mcguire can look at him and say okay mate you can take the time off but we're a bit short on stock and we need we really need you to keep playing and you're one of our good players so what are you going to do so you know th- well, that's, clearly, that's about developing as a as a, a mentally tough athlete as well. Absolutely, and Angus Crichton he's only he's having a breakout year this year. Yeah. He wasn't even picked for round one. He started on the bench. He finally got the starting spot. The last thing he wants to do is give his spot up to someone else while he recuperates and totally. potentially lose his starting spot. Maguire's under a bit of pressure as well to get some wins, and he wants his best players on the park. Although, having said all that, uh, an injury that you could potentially make worse is probably not the one that you want to keep playing on. But but there we are. CK, if you're on the cusp of the top four. Is it worth yep. doing some crazy, uh, oh, I was going to swear, some crazy things right now <laughs> to try and get into that top four? Like, uh, is it a lot like the NRL? Do you think that'll help? Or on your day, you could win anyway? It can. It certainly does help. It's the same final structure as the uh, the NRL. Obviously, with fantasy, there's no real home and away advantage, disadvantage. But the, the important part of the top four is that if you make the top four and then you win, you don't have a match the next week. You get the week off while the other guys fight it out, um, which means that's a whole week, in which case uh, you don't have to make any trades. You can just sit on your trades and watch other people knock each other out. So um, winning from the top four is, is certainly a huge advantage in terms of managing those trades towards the back end of the year. So if you're going to be making trades this week and taking a few risks that are hopefully going to get you a week off um, the week after, um, those top four battles, then, um, then yeah, that's definitely the way to go. CK, if you were going to take some risks, who would you? Um, obviously, there's a couple of injuries and things like that this week as well. Um, who would you be bringing in? Who are the must-haves? Do you think um, going into these next few weeks? Well, I mean, the, the point of the season right now, you basically know who all the good players are and it's just pulling out all the stops to get your, your Smiths and your Crichtons. If you need to gamble, then the best thing to do is to look at the games and pick uh, pick a game where you think there's going to be a big score and pick a, a winger or a halfback from a, a team that's going to have a big a big night and, and punt on them um, on a, on a one-week basis because there's so few games left now in the season. You can actually sort of look at week-to-week opponents rather than just who's going to average the most over you know 12 or, or 20 weeks. Um, so any any high scoring games, try and take advantage of those. Can you give a recommendation to the listeners? Who would you who would you be putting in? I know this is I know with disclosure and all of that, Chris, but come on, look after the people. 
Look, I think um, I think we're going to see some points at uh, at Lotto Land on Sunday afternoon. I think um, Mitchell Pearce had his just about his worst score of the year uh, last week against the Cowboys, despite the Roosters winning. And um, the form that Manly have been in, I can see that potentially being a little bit of a, a points fest. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't mind Mitchell Pearce this week. And um, the other one's probably Jordan Rapana. Um, Cronulla traditionally are a team that really shuts down um, those big attacking plays, but Canberra are pretty, um, you know, attacking and improvisational team. Um, Rapan as well rested after a week off his suspension. He'll be keen to uh, to make a big impact. So I can see him getting quite a few busts out of Sharp Park on Saturday night. Points fest at Lotto Land. Obviously, a lot of Manly supporters will be wanting that they get some this week as opposed to the opposition over the last two weeks in Manly games. Yeah. Chris? Like they scored a few against the, the Dragons. It's just unfortunately, they conceded 50. That's right. That's right. They got a couple <laughs> against the Storm, just not enough. <laughs> the opposition got just four. Just not enough. That's it. Hey, good on you, mate. Um, look... Obviously, we'll get our people to call your people and see whether you're back for next week, okay? <laughs> Much appreciated. Chris Kennedy there is our NRL fantasy guru man. It is the Big League Podcast, round 22. <laughs> just wrapping up here in the podcast, and this is what you have to buy, everyone. For those people who are just listening, you're not seeing anything, clearly. Um, but if you are watching on Facebook, yes, there's the magazine. It's round 22, the Big League. It's the retro round, and it's a, a great cover uh, that has been produced for this week's game. Now, games... Now, uh, last year, one of the really popular segments of this podcast, <coughs> according to us, was Fearless <laughs> Predictions. So, uh, I know you did the podcast last week with Vossi. Just an update in the scoreboard. Have you got an update for us there, Maria? Yep. If you want to, uh, if, if uh, you guys can see this very professional thing that yes. I've, uh, just took me a long time to put together. Sure. Um, we're all on zero. Right. So it's like we're so. Hang on. Much. How did I get on zero? I wasn't here last week. How did yeah, you got Vossi's one because you were in Vegas, living yeah. right. it up yeah. in the middle it's of the season. Problem, we baby. had to replace Vegas, you <laughs> with Andrew Voss, and right. unfortunately for Vossi, it did not go. Well. What was it? It was Jason Nightingale to score a hat trick. That's ridiculous, Vossi. I would never have said that. Ridiculous. Yeah. What about you, Pam? What was your? Ah, uh, what was mine last week? Uh, Raiders, Raiders, Rabbitohs. Oh, that's right. Raiders, Rabbitohs to go to Golden Point and Adam Reynolds to kick the field goal. So. Fail. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was Maria? the Bulldogs to score points. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, anyway, <coughs> yes, uh, <laughs> you clearly <laughs> that is a bold prediction. So That's well right. done uh, on being fearless. Okay, I'll start start us off this time. Actually, mm-hmm. ladies first. Ladies first. Should I ladies first? Yeah, ladies first. Pam. Oh me. Okay, so um, I'm going for the Knights to get a back to back win, um, coupled with. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Okay, well, I hope that's coupled with because that's not so fearless. That's quite fearless. I haven't done that in over two years. So I think right. that's pretty a pretty good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but coupled with, because I am fearless, yes. the Safedis to make a combined 400 metres, running metres. That's huge. So yeah. I, uh, we'll, let you, we'll cut you a bit of slack on that one. Yeah. We'll make it 350. Okay, we'll go three. Combine, well, okay. combine effort three fifty. Are you? I'm happy with that because four hundred's just three fifty. They did it last week, so right. So yep. last week they played really, really well. Yep. yep. So we're going to say they can play really, really well I'm, again. I'm happy with that. Carrying the football made it a little bit easier. We're all fair here. Okay. okay? Great, great. Maria, um, I'm going uh, for an upset. I'm going Raiders win, thinking it's time to go on a run. Obviously. Manly sort of falling, dragons falling. Didn't you say earlier in this podcast, I can't trust the Raiders? Yeah, well, I can't, <laughs> but I've got to pick something, guys. Right, that's, good, that's a good point. Raiders, um, and they have a great record at Cronulla. Mm. Um, 13 plus. Raiders? Okay, 1 to 12. Will you allow me 1 to 12? No, 13 plus. I love it. Okay, 13 plus. Yeah. Um, and Jordan Rapana to make two or more line breaks. He's back this week. Oh, he's two a little light. 
Pam, is still a little light for Jordan Rapana. Well, I mean, she's got to get. I mean, and it, that is light for Jordan Rapana, but I think in your fearless, the culmination, the whole oh, thing, the she's combo. got to get them all. Oh, you've yeah. got to get them all right to get one. Yeah. yeah. So we're not doing any of this like no, Bowie. No, you see, remember that Bowie guy? Mm, vaguely, uh, <laughs> half points, half points, and all that. Yeah. Okay, none of that. No. All right. no. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to the same game too, down there at Southern Cross Group Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to go draw after 80 minutes. Draw like after it. 80 minutes. Okay. The Sharks and the Raiders draw after 80 minutes. Uh, Currently, if you want to bet on that, that's $21. Gamble Are you going to go so far as to say who will win? Uh, and the Sharks will win that tight one okay. uh, in Golden Point. Because we all know the Raiders losing Golden Valentine Point. Valentine Holmes, maybe? A- absolutely. Anyone? Who else? Kick the field goal. In the absence yeah. of James Maloney, Valentine Holmes will kick. Hang on. This is not part of my This is not part of my fearless prediction, though. You haven't made me load it up with a second and so third So you're just going draw. Draw. At the okay. end of 80 minutes, they're locked at the same points. Okay. A- and it'll be 18. Okay. There you go. That, um, and that's just a little add-in too. It's not part of the thing. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. So we all settle with that? Yeah. Okay. And, and just so that we'll all probably be on zero next week as well, I would say. <laughs> hey, that's the end of it. It's been a long one. Thanks for sticking around. We do appreciate it. Uh, round 22, the Big League Podcast. Remember, make sure you get out and buy your Big League magazine. It's a cracker and it's a great cover as well. And, of course, we'll be back next week. So tune in. Enjoy your footy this weekend, everyone.